Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We can't wait to get to the busy, traveling Jay Seeger now home, uh, startingpointproject.com, the startingpointproject.com. If you want to check out his website, uh, we've got to take care of some business before we have Jay come on, but we're going to talk about the, the perfect timing of the birth of Christ. And you can start by looking up Galatians 4.4. 4. If you're listening right now, uh, Luke 21, 24, um, Mark 10, 25, so many other scriptures, but let's start with Galatians 4, 4. Give me a few minutes. <sighs> Big announcement here. Um, first of all, tomorrow, Linda Harvey on the podcast, she's, there's a brand new book that we're going to be talking about called A Christian Perspective on the Social Justice Movement. Mary Danielson contributed a chapter. Linda Harvey is in there talking about the 10 ways America is being groomed and also banned books. She'll be talking about that. And human rights, social justice, and the gay spin for kids. That's tomorrow with Linda Harvey. But um, So a lot of people have been contacting us about the podcast. We've had issues. And um, I just want to clarify, I can't respond to everybody. Some people won't even hear this because they usually subscribe to the podcast and get it. And they, want, they listen to it at night. Well, let's start with the recent... Uh, issues with our website and access to the podcast. Prior to yesterday, the best thing to do when people contact us with any kind of issue with the podcast, we say, go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and <laughs> listen there, and you can share that. But we have other issues to take care of. Warfare has been off the charts, as you can expect. Not surprised, frustrating, but we're not surprised. Oh, a couple months ago, we moved our entire site to a new server. Uh, and to resolve these issues and avoid them in the future. Now, as of yesterday, the site has been down. The server has been down. People have not been able to connect. We cannot access our own website as of now. That's a big issue, friends. That means there's nowhere people can get our podcast. Now, they've been messaging me, and I try to respond when I can, but I'm, that's why I'm making this detailed announcement. What can you do to find the podcast? Well, right now, I'm, I'm sorry to say nothing. Um, we, on top of that, and, and we'll let you know, keep checking the website, we'll let you know when the site is back up, Lord willing it will be, because we shouldn't have these issues, but we also heard from Spotify, that's one place that people go to listen to the podcast. On December 1st, that was a week ago, they uh, notified us that our account is under review. What does that mean? Well, we're guessing due to the Christian content and the biblical worldview on um, creation, God, gender, marriage, family, and other issues that some would call controversial, they are going to decide whether to keep our podcast on Spotify. That's what we're guessing. We haven't heard from them yet. So please pray. Bottom line to all this, just pray for us. Now, I also want to mention just three years ago, there were five or six people involved with Stand Up For The Truth. Today, there are two. After the podcast is done... We have one person who also wears three hats at this ministry trying to do everything. We have had employees for a short time and they quit. Had an employee for a short time and it didn't work out. We have the money. Do, are, we raised the money. We're good till next July, right? So that's not the issue. So p please pray. We need to hire people. We have not been able to find people. One of the problems is finding someone with the biblical worldview that, that is understanding what we're trying to do in our mission here, speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth about things that matter and Bible prophecy and confronting evil in our culture and exposing false teachings in the church and on and on and on. We've got to find someone that would agree with that mission and agree with the biblical worldview. That's been a problem. So we need to hire people. So please pray. We used to have a lot more people working on, the, on this, and now we're, we're down to just a few. And that's, uh, you know, we've had technical issues. Again, um, that's not surprising. In this area, in this new time of, um, you know, technology and podcasting and radio and everything else. So we need to hire someone with expertise in these areas. If you know someone, 
uh, who may be someone can even work online. They don't need to be in northeast Wisconsin in the Green Bay area or whatever. So all this to say, <sighs> please be patient. Um, please be patient. We just don't have the staff to do all the troubles, t- troubleshooting and to handle all these issues when it's coming to us from different directions now, more than two or three here. So uh, we'll do whatever is within our power Cast our cares on the Lord. Trust God with the rest. But honestly, yes, as the co-host of the program, uh, Mary's here. It is beyond frustrating, but it's not surprising. Before we bring in Jay Seeger, Mary, do you want to just briefly comment and encourage our listeners who are going, where can we find the podcast? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I first my first thought was when I heard all this was spiritual warfare. I mean, the things that... And it just happened when you joined us, by uh, the way. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <All right. laughs> what, was, what was I saying? Um, well, seriously, not I, I, I'm not surprised because of the topics that are covered, the encouragement yeah. in, in the dark times, building up of the church, warning people, all the things that, that the devil hates. And I think it's going to get a lot worse. And so just pray for us. Yes, pray for pray, pray. the technology aspect. Um, we get this at church too. Things will go down and we'll think, Oh, you know, this, and there's no good timing for that, right? So just pray for, pray for uh, Q90, and uh, we appreciate that. All right. Well, let's bring in Jay Seeger. Sorry to make you wait, Jay. Uh, we've got a great topic today because it is a wonderful season. It is Christmas season. We are encouraging people to remember the reason, and it's not just one day out of the year. Jay Seeger of the Starting Point Project. Welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. It is always great to be on the program, and I can relate to what you're discussing. Uh, I actually put a talk together a while ago called The Myth of Settled Science, <laughs> and uh, it was put up on YouTube and then banned shortly mm-hmm. after because it violated community standards, but they never told me what standards were actually violated. I don't think they even know what I yeah. said. They probably just through yeah. their computer uh, bots uh, saw that I did discuss COVID and climate change in there, and then when they made the connection that I, the speaker, was a Christian conservative, they probably just said, well, it's got to be wrong, and and banned it. So I, I, I understand the, the spiritual warfare that goes on. Yeah, and I mentioned recently a couple times on the podcast, it's just a matter of time before we're taken down. Yep. And we understand that. We're not thrilled about it. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So people, um, if you cannot someday access anything that we do, any of our podcasts, we will try to find other outlets as long as we have breath in our lungs and our hearts mm-hmm. are beating and we have free speech in this country. We will try to find another way to do what we're doing, but it just might not be in this format on radio or podcast. So just keep that in mind. And by the way, Jay, we've got things we're going to talk about, Mary and I, later on, you know, tomorrow, next week. Um, climate change restrictions and lockdowns are already starting. They've been predicted for a good year or more. Notice what I said. I didn't say COVID restrictions or health restrictions. I said climate lockdowns because of the planet and these issues that they're pushing. So, um, but let's get into the topic today. Jay, first of all, um, you've been recently speaking and traveling. A little update on your ministry because it's been months since you've been on. Sure. Uh, a lot's going on, always too much, which is it's a good problem to have. Yes. Um, I was purposely trying to slow my speaking schedule down this year so I could work on 22 more videos and mm. six more books and such. <laughs> and, uh, I, I went from uh, 110 talks last year, which was greatly down, which was good, but then this year I'm at 174, so <laughs> I probably did the math wrong there. So I had it in the wrong direction, but... Wow. Um, you know, a good problem to have. We did yeah. four or five Grand Canyon tours, um, and all over the country. Was at the U.S. Naval Academy again for the fourth time. Was over in the United Kingdom, speaking in London and Oxford, and just a lot of great opportunities. Uh, oh. It's needed more than ever, um, as we see more and more oppression coming on, and the world has basically turned completely upside down it's all i tell people it's always been slowly getting worse morally over time but you know a few years ago the wheels fell off but so that's bad news the worst news is we can't actually fix that but mm-hmm. the good news is god's not asking us to fix it he's asking us to share the gospel with those around us and Amen. the worse things get the easier that should be mm-hmm. the worse things get the more yeah. fearful and confused and stressed out people are there are gospel opportunities every day. Jay, I just think you summed up what we're going to do in this podcast. So let's wrap up. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time with Jay Seeger. Okay, so Mayor, 
You told me, or you emailed Jay when he sent uh, some ideas on what to talk about today. And I, I love where we're going with this in the true history of the Christmas story, the miraculous uh, word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, uh, full of grace and full of truth, the incarnation. Um, let me read Galatians 4, 4, and then I'm going to hand it over to Mayor to uh, ask Jay what, whatever question, whatever direction you want to go. But Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Yeah, you know, I love that phrase, the fullness of time, because to me, it's it's full of prophecy. You can take so many things. If that were a box on my desk, you could put so many things in there, Past, present, and future. Mm. Um, and also, I want to throw in another little gem, Ephesians 1.10, um, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Mm. So there, there's a future fullness of time. we got two fullness of times, one that is in the past in Galatians and one that's still in the future, that all things would be subjected to Christ. So Jane, can you just talk to us a little bit about um, what does this mean? What does the fullness of time mean? You know, what, what's in that box, if we were to open that up, what does that mean? There are many, many different ways of looking at it, but I, my experience is, you know, from speaking for 37 and full, full-time about 16 years, but as I've realized a lot of Christians know a fair amount about, you know, Jesus' birth, his life, miracles, death, resurrection, and, you know, and he's coming back. And then in addition to that, they know a couple of cool Old Testament stories like Daniel in the lion's den and Jonah and the whale, things like that. But they really don't have much of a clue as to how all that fits together in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it intimidates them. They're a little bit uncomfortable with some of the violence that was going on in the Bible. And you've got strange dietary laws. So we, we tend in general to kind of stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Think, well, that was a long time ago. It's not that important. We're just here to focus on Jesus. Well, the problem with that is you lose the meaning of a lot of the specifics in the New Testament. In fact, virtually nothing in the New Testament makes sense without the backdrop of the Old Testament. I actually had one pastor you know, commenting regarding the uh, relevance of Genesis when he was told how foundational this really is. He goes, oh, wait a minute, you've got you to be careful trying to tie the New Testament into the Old Testament. And that was from an evangelical church, mm. which is pretty frightening. Wow. But the the big picture is so important. Jesus didn't kind of just show up out of nowhere for no real reason. And hey, he's here now, and now we got Christianity. Um, God's timing is perfect, and He had that plan before He even created the universe. He knew exactly what He was going to do. So the arrival of Christ is no random event. It makes a lot of sense, and with the backdrop of the Old Testament, and we can talk about the big picture in a minute, Yes, but uh, his timing was perfect. It's part of a plan that is being played out. It's not just another random event, and now we just kind of are coasting until another random event comes up. Mm-hmm. It all fits together in God's bigger picture. Awesome. So there was a plan. God had a plan. He still has a plan, and he will fulfill that plan. Um, I want to bring in a very interesting scripture because we're talking about the fullness of time and the plan of salvation, of, of redemption, of Jesus coming. Uh, Revelation 22.16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things for the churches. And listen to this, friends. He said, I, Jesus, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. So, a simple way to put that, Jesus is the root and the fruit. So he is the root, as as it were, in the ground, but also the source. He's the fruit. How can you be the root, in other words, the source, but how can you be the fruit at the end of the vine? He's the descendant of David. He is God. And I found that to be just such a fascinating scripture as we look at God planned this the line of David through Christian history, through world history in the Old Testament, and Satan tried to come against the children of Israel, and he he wanted to wipe out uh, Israel because they knew he knew the Messiah would come. So, and that's another prophecy, Mary, going back to Genesis three fifteen, the first prophecy in the Bible, right? Um, so, just Jay, your thoughts on Jesus being God, and the plan was way before we even recognized when all of a sudden the Gospels, you know, come out, and Jesus, you know, is now the Word. It became flesh, but there was a plan way before that, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. I mean, and people, 
Sometimes, again, they don't want to get caught up in a lot of details. They think, you know, we're just here to worship Jesus. Who cares how God created, when he created, what was really going on in the Old Testament? We're just, you know, we should really be just focusing on on Jesus. Well, I don't know any Christian in their right mind who wouldn't want to focus on Jesus, but long before Jesus was Savior, Mm -hmm. he was Creator. You know, John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, for him, by him, through him, all things were created. So if we're going to focus on Jesus, we need to take the whole Jesus, which includes him being part of the Trinity. He is God. He is the creator. Things were created for him and by him. And part of his plan was to fix what we messed up. You know, mm-hmm. He created everything perfect to begin with and gave Adam and Eve a free will so they could actually um, exercise their free will and God could have a relationship with them. If he would have created them as robots, and programmed to say, God, you're the best, we love you, you're awesome, that would mean nothing to him. So gave him a free will so they could choose to worship him. Well, we know what happened. They thought they knew better, which is um, what we do today. We we know what God says, what we think we know better. And Satan got in the garden and questioned God's authority, twisted his word, took it out of context, and got Eve to doubt God's word, which is the same thing he's doing today. So Adam and Eve thought they knew better. They sinned against God, separated themselves. God could have just smashed them and started over, but he said, no, I love them too much. I have a plan, and it's Genesis 3.15, yes. you know, the first innocence prophecy in the Bible that you know God is basically alluding to the gospel message that we're focused on today with that he would send his own son to die on a cross, and the entire Old Testament is God playing out that plan, and it, the Old Testament is also Satan who hates God trying to ruin the plan, and that's why Satan is always attacking God's chosen people because he knew that through them the Messiah would be born. If he can wipe out the Jews, then the plan's done. So the Old Testament is all Satan trying to wipe the Jews out and God trying to protect his people. Yeah, I love I love the whole big picture aspect of it. And I mm-hmm. think that what people may not realize as well when it comes to the fullness of time is uh, they had to have, like you said, the fall and the promise of redemption, but the law also had to come along and the Jewish nation and the sacrificial system which looks forward. The prophets... Um, the captivities, the Roman Empire, I mean, all these things. I'm just amazed at God's perfect timing and God's sovereignty over the affairs of men in spite of all the people who ever lived. There is God um, uh, over, overseeing and, and just working things um, to, that, to that point where we would get to the fullness of time. So um, are there any other things that you would add um, you know, to the big picture or things that, that, uh, that we can look at and say, wow, you know, God is in charge. None of this is random. Well, yeah, there's a lot, and you'll have to stop me whenever you want. But two and a half minutes. When you two and a half minutes before the break. Yep. Um, well, real big picture is God did create everything, and it was perfect to begin with. He's marred it, so He immediately had a plan, a plan not just to save mankind, but to recreate the heavens and and the earth. What Revelation talks about in many other passages, and so this whole thing is playing out. We're kind of in the middle here with uh, we're going to be talking about the arrival of Jesus Christ here which yes. is really the focal point of of Christianity it's it you know divides the world today um he that hath the son hath life he that hath not the son hath not life I, I had one priest tell me well I don't think it's really that black and white and I said I don't know that you can get any more black <laughs> yeah. and white than that he oh, that hath the son wow and then I asked him what do you do when tradition seems to go against what scripture is clearly saying he goes well we go with tradition oh, and I already goodness. knew that but it yeah. was nice to hear him yeah. actually admit that that yeah. you care more about the tradition of mankind than what uh, mm. God's word says so that's what we'll be dealing with you know in the program today is yeah. talking about God's plan and culminating, in a sense, in the arrival and life and death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, who is the creator. And we'll get into some other you know, fascinating things about the timing of, of where we are today and the significance of Christmas that we're going to be celebrating very soon. Amen. And let's celebrate it all year round, by the way, because the resurrection is good for everybody. Uh, and I just want to, before we take our, our break, Romans 1, 3, and 4 says about the Christ concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how Paul begins the great epistle in the book of Romans. So look up Romans 1 for several verses there. But when we come back, we'll talk about the return of Christ, the timing. When's the next prophetic event? All right, we're going to talk about that. 
the rapture, the tribulation. We'll talk about how Jesus is the light of the world, how we have hope in him, and what is our purpose here in these days. More with Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Jay Siegert is our guest today, and we talked about starting off this segment. Going back to the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, Matthew provides a genealogy in chapter 1. Luke provides a different genealogy, and we're going to talk a little bit about why that is. And it's fascinating. When you're an early or a young Christian, you read these and you're going, Abraham, Father Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, you're going through all these names, Hezron and Ram and, and you know, Boaz and Jesse. Oh, then there's David and Solomon. And then you're reading through all these names. Why do I need to know all this? And now it makes sense. You're tracing the line of the Messiah back so that there's evidence and you, you cannot break this. So, uh, I want to turn this over to, to Jay because you have a, a different genealogy that goes back that you wanted to mention from Genesis. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, just very briefly, it's something that most people aren't aware of and we, we kind of pass right over. And, you know, Second Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture is inspired by God and it's all profitable. So sometimes yes. when you're reading so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so, you're just like, oh, my word, why, why is this even in here? <laughs> well, one guy was looking at the, genes- the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, which is, Basically, Adam through Noah, ten names, you know, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Mahalalel, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are ten names that Moses listed there, you know, but under the inspiration of God. And he wondered, like, okay, what's the point of, you know, these ten names here? And he wondered if there might be even more significance behind it. So he wrote out the ten names, which, because it's in the Old Testament, you know, we're talking about Hebrew. So he wrote out the Hebrew names, and then next to each name he wrote the meaning behind these names, because our names actually have meanings behind them. So he wrote the ten names and then the meanings next to each one, and this is what he found. It basically says that that Adam, man, Adam means man, so man was appointed a mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his his death would bring a despairing comfort or rest. Well, basically, that's the entire gospel message, that man was appointed a mortal sorrow. Adam and Eve sinned. They were mortally separated from God. But it says, the blessed God shall come down. There's the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to this earth, and that's God coming to this earth. What did he, what did he do? It says that he would teach that his death would bring a despairing comfort or rest. Well, why was it despairing? Well, when those who were following him saw that he was crucified, they thought, wait a minute, we missed something here. We thought he was going to save us, and now he's dead. But then when he rose again the third day, it brought the comfort and rest that we see today. So there, I believe, we have mm. the gospel message back in Genesis 5. It's not something that you have to know for salvation, hidden codes and all that. It's just basically the fingerprint of God that his signature is all throughout his word. And I think that's fascinating. That, And I don't think that Moses knew he was putting the gospel message mm-hmm. in there. He's just putting the 10 names down mm-hmm. there that God inspired him to write. That's right. And when people say that the Bible was written by mankind, this is what I take out and I say, okay, explain this to me, that all these people with these names that seem quite random actually brings the gospel, and I've yet to have someone be able to answer me on that. Mm. Well, it's, it's putting yeah. God in a box. Whenever you say, well, the, the Bible is just written by man. Well, of course it's written by man, but but you're limiting God by saying the omnipotent, all-knowing, the sovereign God of the universe and creator of all things, including humankind, you're saying that he could not work through the human beings he created to get his message to those human beings. on It's just like, come on, stop putting God in a box. Um, fascinating, Jay, you're going back to Genesis 5. Let's go to Matthew 1 now. And this is the genealogy of the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it starts with Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac Jacob. And it goes to verse 17. It says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. And then it talks about, in verse 18, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, happened as follows. So Mary, um, fascinating that we've got 
these 14, 14, 14 generations from Abraham to the Messiah. And that's how Matthew, of course, writing to Jews, Hebrews, that's how he starts off his gospel. It is very, very interesting, and I love how the New Testament starts out with, um, you know, a little summary here of how we got here and how we know it's the fullness of time. And I think yes. that's that's another absolutely wonderful aspect of this, that these particular people, and one of the one of the genealogies has women and and all different sorts of people, and the other one has uh, Jewish men, and, and so you know, mm. it's just a wonderful picture of of the the royal line through David, and then the the human aspect of Jesus. The other genealogy, I, I just think that's a, a wonderful thing that God put in there. Um, uh, Jay, before we go over to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and talk about that genealogy, just share your thoughts. Well, it's one thing I heard about the Matthew genealogy, which I thought was fascinating. And again, we're not talking about hidden codes here. It's just the fingerprint of God. Mm-hmm. In that genealogy, um, again, in Greek, the total number of um, letters that consists that genealogy is divisible by seven. Well, seven is considered the number of completeness, perfection. God kind of represents God throughout the Bible. So that's kind of neat. But then they added up the total number of words. That's divisible by seven. The total number of nouns, divisible by seven. A total number of consonants, divisible by seven. The vowels, divisible by seven. The number of names, divisible by seven. And there's all these layers of patterns of seven. And here's the challenge. If you were to sit down and write a genealogy and, and the person said the total number of letters has to be divisible by seven, you could get that to happen, not, not too hard. But then what they've said, not only the letters but the words, you, you couldn't make that happen too. you got to tweak a little bit. Mm. But then if they said, okay, the consonants too, and the vowels, and the names, and you get to a certain point where when you try to fix one, you mess up the other ones. It would be humanly impossible to make a genealogy with all those patterns of sevens. So the point is, there's no way Matthew could have purposely done that. We don't think for a second he was trying to do that. He was just inspired by God. He's writing this down. But this shows two things. Number one, it is inspired by God because of those patterns. And number two, it must have been copied accurately, or it would throw off the patterns of seven. So there's just, again, so much in there that it just screams, this is the inspired Word of God. Praise God. I praise God for this, because the, the more we study, and we are all, every person, no matter where you're at in Christ, your level of maturity, how long you've been a believer, we are all called to be students of Scripture. We are to study and show ourselves approved. And so this is very good for us to go back and understand why the genealogies are in there there's th- at least three different ones genesis 5 uh, matthew 1 and now in luke 3 it says in verse 23 when he began his ministry jesus himself was about 30 years old being as was commonly held the son of joseph so now you're going through joseph's line and his ministry and if you go down to the bottom of that chapter chapter 3 in the book of luke the last couple of verses um, so they're going through the son, the son, the son of who, the son of who, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, and after Noah, right? You go all the way back past Noah, the son of Mahalel, Mahalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So that one takes you back to God as the starting point of mankind. Jay, your thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah, it's just... You know, with the genealogies, you've got the you know the Davidic line, which shows that he's kingly, and then the line of Mary, which is said he'd be born the seed of a woman. So everything just ties in so beautifully. Mm. Um, I did one other random thing in case we don't get to it. Uh, this is something that's just an interesting thought. I never share this as proof of anything, but I think it will probably play itself out. You got God creating everything in six days to begin with. And again, a whole other topic, the Bible indicates six literal days there. So there's six periods of God working in creation, and then he rested on the seventh. So six periods of work, a seventh period of rest. Well, if that happened roughly 6,000 years ago, if Christ returns soon uh, for the second coming, you would have about 6,000 years of history of God working, and then that would usher in the millennial kingdom of a thousand-year period. That would be the seventh set of a thousand, God resting. It would mimic his creation. So again, everything is so tightly knit and tied together, showing one author and inspiration throughout. I want to go back now and answer the question, okay, we have all of this prophecy. 
We have all of the buildup. We have the genealogies. We have the messianic prophecies. We have the, the, everything's alluding to the fullness of the time. And as we started off the podcast today with Galatians 4, 4, in God's timetable, the exact religious, cultural, and political conditions Mm -hmm. that demanded his perfect plan were in place. When everything was at the perfect time, the fullness of time, Jesus came into the world. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem mankind. So now, Jay Seeger, you've got your question of the month that says, why December 25th? Why December 25th? Now, we understand that Jesus could have been born in September. December 25th might not be the exact day Nonetheless, Jesus arrived. <laughs> he came on the scene and, and fulfilled the work that the Father sent him to do. So your thoughts, Jay, and pull whatever you want from your question of the month. Why now, with all that we know, we knew he was, uh, we can read and look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. We knew he was set to come. He did. He was crucified, dead, buried, raised from the dead. That's the resurrection. Now we have hope. We have his Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. But why December 25th, or whatever day he happened to come? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a couple aspects to that. One, you know, we might get into with uh, the prophecy from Daniel showing the approximate time that this is going to be occurring. But as far as us today, okay, why is it December 25th? We say that's Christmas Day. Well, because historically speaking, we don't know the exact day that Christ was born. We want to celebrate that, and there are different beliefs as to why they settled on December 25th. Some mm-hmm. people say, well, it was a pagan holiday, and they wanted to kind of take it over and make it more of a Christianized thing. And there's there's some reasoning in people's minds to that, and it makes sense. Like one of the interesting things is it was the um, celebration of the sun, because pagans worshipped the sun, mm-hmm. and it September 25th was the day that they worshipped that because the days were going to start to get longer again, and they believed that the sun was where life came from, so they wanted to celebrate that. Well, what's interesting about that is God knew before he even created everything that his creation was going to end up worshipping the physical sun as the giver of life rather than he himself. And I, I think one of the reasons for the creation account that God created the sun on day number four was to show he doesn't need the sun to provide life, life or light. He himself created light. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, you know, and there was darkness, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. We didn't have the sun yet. God himself provided that light. Mm. He created the physical sun later that would be used by us for days and for years and signs and seasons and things like that. So he's showing us, no, I... I didn't need that sun to give you light or life, but I'm, I'm giving it to you as you know as the creation goes on. But then when God creates a new heavens and new earth, we're not going to need that anymore because God himself will provide the light, I'm sure, just like he did to begin with. And I think, well, again, one of the reasons for that order of creation is that he knew people were going to worship the sun, thinking that's truly where life comes from. But it's really God, the creator himself, who gives us light. And I think that might be, again, another tie-in for Scripture and Amen. reasons God does things the way he does. Yep, and Jesus is the light of the world. And yes. uh, yeah, and, and so he, and he said, you are the light of the world, because he said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Mayor? Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, too, about um, some of the things you've written here about the timing of the ability for the gospel to go forth yes. from the Roman Empire and forward. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the high, the, the reasons why um, that particular time in history was beneficial uh, to the gospel? Oh, sure. And again, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And sometimes we look back and say, oh, I, I think you know, that kind of makes sense. I could see why that would be a good mm-hmm. time. Uh, it was before the exponential explosion of the world's population, so you get the message out to the smaller group who will then take it as the population does explode. Uh, we had the Pax Romana, which was this peace in Rome, which was kind of rare. That allowed a lot more freedom of movement, freedom of religion. Rome was very tolerant at the time of, uh, of even the, the Jewish religion, and so you were free to exercise your faith and to share it with others. You could evangelize without being canceled on YouTube. <laughs> um, you know, So that was going on. Greek was fairly u- universal language so that people could 
you know, read the, the message. It could be transmitted that way. Rome had built all these roads, again, making travel easier, and there was even more travel by ship. And then there was even a, a postal service created, so, you know, letters and things could circulate. So prior to that, it's not that Christ couldn't have come. It would have been impossible. But we we look back now and think, oh, it, it makes a lot of sense because you could easily get this message out. There wasn't as much persecution at the time. And then as the population moves out, this message could spread very easily. Or, you know, today you try to get a, If someone came and tried to get a message out today, there's 8 billion people on the planet. You can't really get it to everyone very easily, and it could be canceled. And so where you get your news, you're not getting this new message that's supposed to go out. So in a sense, there would be a lot more challenges today, not that God couldn't intervene and do something different, but it just does seem to make a lot of sense as to why he came when he did. Okay, I want to go to, we only have three minutes left in this segment, Jay, but, but because of the sake of time, because we talked about the interesting timing and the fullness of time, there's a fascinating prophecy from Daniel chapter 9, um, and that has something to do with the triumphal entry to the day that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Uh, share a little bit about that, and we'll take a break and come back and continue. Sure. Uh, well, Daniel has a lot of interesting prophecies, and Daniel, pretty amazing when he predicted the succession of nations with you know Babylon and Greece and Medo-Persians and the Romans and all that. It's, just, it's fascinating, again, proof of in the inspiration of Scripture. But Daniel also has a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, and him being cut off, you know, with his crucifixion. And and so when, you know, we don't have time to flesh out every detail right now, but basically with the 70-week prophecy that uh, Daniel gives, you can you can do the math from uh, the start of it would be when Artaxerxes Longimaeus uh, issued a command to rebuild, you know, the, the temple in, in, in Jerusalem. That's when this period of 70 weeks starts and there's basically a period of 69 weeks and then a period of a 70th week, and these are weeks of years. When you look at prophecy, they're uh, 70 weeks of years, which is 490 total years. But basically what Daniel says is from the time of this decree to rebuild uh, Jerusalem until the cutting off the Messiah would be these uh, 69 weeks. And when you add up all the days in those years, which is uh, 173,880 days, <laughs> um, if you have the right starting point there, you come to April 6, 32 AD, which is when many people think that's when Jesus Christ had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And for the first time, he was actually publicly declaring to be the Messiah, and he allowed worship of him Yes. Prior to that, he did not do that publicly. So this was really the announcement of him, the Savior of the world. And I think, you know, Daniel predicted that. Wow. Fascinating. And that is part of Bible prophecy, friends. And interesting that you referenced the Starting Point Project, Jay Seegert. Hey, we've got a lot more when we come back with Jay and uh, Mayor Danielson, David Fiorazzo. Um, be patient with our website issues, friends. We're still trying to get to the bottom of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be right back. We'll talk about it. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, I'm going to hand this over to Mary Danielson and uh, to direct the next question to Jay Siegert of The Starting Point Project. We're having a great conversation this morning about yeah. the big picture and the fullness of time. Um, and if you don't want to say Merry Christmas, you can say Merry Fullness of Time Day. <laughs> I might start doing that. But I want to talk a little bit about um, the Ephesians one ten verse. It says, In the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might, future, gather together in one all things in Christ. So we know the culmination of all things, putting everything at Jesus' feet. Uh, but we have a fullness of times now that we're waiting on, right, to, to, to see Jesus, uh, to have him come and get the church. And so I'm thinking about the diaspora, which began in 70 AD and scattered the Jewish people throughout the world, uh, culminating in 1948. To me, that is a fullness of time uh, right there because of it's, it's the time clock. It's the time clock of prophecy. It, it, it gets you know things going again, um, the, the Jews being back in the land. Um, and now we know that that is a big part of the last days and Jesus mm -hmm. coming again. So I guess, I guess what I'm asking is if we could talk, talk a little bit, Jay, about, um, the fullness of the Gentiles, you know, when the times of the Gentiles is full. What, what exactly does that mean? What's next on the calendar? Yeah. Well, obviously people have different opinions on, uh, 
prophetic events and end time timelines. Um, I my, I have a fairly strong view. I'm kind of a pre-trib guy and, and things like that. But what I usually tell people is, if it turns out that I'm wrong in my views on end time prophecies, I will shrug my shoulders and say, "Oh, I guess I was wrong." So it doesn't change anything that I'm doing with you know promoting the gospel and Amen. things like that. But I you know I believe the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture, which is one of those things that is, they say it's imminent, meaning it could happen anytime. There's nothing else that has to happen first before that rapture, which is not the second coming of Christ. This is an event where the Christians will be taken. Um, and then I believe that that would usher in the tribulation period, the seven years of tribulation split into three and a half. First three and a half, not too bad, but then it gets bad, really bad halfway through where the Antichrist uh, breaks his seven-year treaty that he made with Israel, and things get really nasty, uh, especially nationally nasty after that, with the culmination of the other nations wanting to come and destroy Israel. But just before that happens, in the Battle of Armageddon, Christ returns in his second coming and, and wipes out these armies. So that would be a, a timeline that would usher in then the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. So where are we now? We're basically... Um, before the second coming of Christ, before that rapture, the rapture could happen any time whatsoever. And Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, but he did give us signs that when you see these things happening, know that it's near. And like you said, the Israel becoming a nation again, it's never happened to any nation on the planet where they've disbanded mm. and came back together again. So 1948 was extremely, extremely significant. And yes. then we see us just racing towards one world government, which the Bible predicted. So it's somewhat unsettling, but at the same time, it's kind of exciting seeing these things being played out. And we're still in the church age, and God still obviously has use for the church, or we would not be here. So yes. part of that is just doing what we're called to do, even if his timing isn't ours, and we just right. long to go home. Um, you know, just just being able to say, well, we're still here, so God must still need us to finish the work. Oh, yeah. It's very important. And again, with the, you know, coming up on the Christmas season here and then the birth of Christ, we have every reason to be talking about that. And, I mean, people are generally fairly logical, and you could even appeal to them on that level just to say, you know, talk to them about that, that, the Bible claims that God himself would send his son to die on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. And the Bible gives all these prophecies on who this son of God, the Messiah, would be. And when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, and even atheists admit, yeah, there was a guy named Jesus claimed to be the son of God 2,000 years ago. When he was here, he fulfilled at least 300 prophecies of who this Messiah would be. And so we could look really quickly, what, what are the chances that Jesus, he wasn't really the Messiah, the Son of God. He was just some guy claiming to be that, and he coincidentally fulfilled these prophecies. Okay, let's see, is that reasonable? Well, if you just look at what are the chances of fulfilling 48 of the major prophecies. So again, we're just assuming, for time being, Jesus, nice guy, but he's not really the Son of God. He just happened to coincidentally fulfill <laughs> 48 of these major prophecies. Well, there would be one chance in a one followed by 157 zeros. Now, that's so big, people just didn't really get how big that is. Well, as in an analogy, what would that be like if something happens and there was only one chance in a one followed by 157 zeros? That would be like solving the Rubik's Cube randomly with your eyes closed. But let me tell you about the Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Cube has 10 million trillion different combinations. So you're blindfolded, you got the cube, you are spinning, spinning it randomly. You don't have one chance in 10 million trillion of getting that thing right. No rational person says, yeah, I could do that. Okay, let's compare solving that cube by accident to Jesus fulfilling just 48 of these prophecies. It would be like me handing you the cube, putting a blindfold on, you start spinning it randomly, and you solve that cube eight times in a row, getting it right every single time. There's no way that's going to happen. So people need to deal with that. Explain to me how Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, when many of which were outside of his control. He could control the city he was born in or how he was killed and 
things like that. How did that happen if the Bible isn't true and Jesus isn't the Son of God? They will most likely just change the subject. Well, what yep. about all the evil in the world today, yep. and why is there violence in the Bible? Yep. <laughs> so yep. you have to really get them to focus on what is their actual issue, otherwise they'll get you chasing your tail. Yeah, the numbers are mind-boggling. If someone actually wants to look at this, the, the probabilities, and uh, you, you cannot just say, what a coincidence that all right. these things were written before B.C., before Christ, and that how many prophecies he fulfilled. You just can't if you're an honest, truth-seeking person. Um, so interesting timing. We've talked about the fullness of the times. We talked about exact, detailed prophecy to the day uh, the Messiah was to ride into Jerusalem. Uh, we talked about his return, his prophesied return. Uh, be, in between that, we talked about Israel, the prophecies about Israel regathering, uh, becoming a nation, of course, in 1948, which was miraculous because they didn't have a land, they didn't have a language, uh, the people that were dispersed everywhere. There's just too many things, Jay, and I agree with you. Uh, why do you think it, it's simply people just don't want to believe? Because there, what other explanation is there? There's enough evidence. There's uh, prophetic evidence. There's uh, eyewitness testimony if you read the Gospels. There's archaeological evidence of times, people, events, places that are written about in the Bible. But people just say, oh, that's a storybook. They don't just don't want to believe. Your thoughts? Oh, yeah. Really short, powerful story. I was uh, This summer I was over in the United Kingdom again speaking and um, first started out with a conference. And one of the other speakers at the conference was from Northern Ireland. I'd uh, been at the conference with him before. Great guy. He told a story. He was witnessing to a nuclear physicist who was an atheist. So this guy from Northern Ireland, he's an evangelist. He's not a scientist. He's an evangelist. But he's talking to this atheist. And the nuclear physicist told him, I, I don't believe that God exists. The evangelist looked at him and said, no, you know God exists, but you hate him. You love your sin and you fear God's wrath. And the nuclear physicist looked at him and said, you are the wisest man I've ever met. And he's wow. basically saying, you got me. I, yeah, I just don't want to believe that. I want to live however I want. And that's where most yes. skeptics are coming from. They generally won't admit that. They will tell you that they're skeptics because there's errors and contradictions in the Bible disproved by science. There's different <laughs> versions out there. There's missing pieces, extra stuff that got shoved in there. They'll say all those things, but those are almost never their issues. That's a smokescreen. They just want to live how they want to live, and they don't want to be bothered by someone giving them rules to follow or, you know, be under someone else's authority. So that's what we're typically dealing with. So even these prophecies and things are like water off a duck's back sometimes because we're really dealing with a spiritual issue, and people need to see Christ in us as we share as much Scripture as we can because the power of God is in the Scripture. Isaiah fifty-five eleven: God's Word will never return void. Absolutely agree with you on all that, Jay, because the Romans says that they're without excuse. You know, everyone knows that there is a God from creation. Yeah. It's like God's picture book. You know, I always say there's two books. There's the picture book, you know, for the ones who don't really understand. And then there's the book book, which is much harder to understand the scriptures. Uh, once you've graduated from the picture book, you go to the written book. And um, But you're right, the, the atheist uh, does not exist. It's pure rebellion. Jay, we've got uh, four minutes left. And I love what you sent over to us um about you know taking advantage of the gospel opportunities, but also what you wrote about Jesus' birthday. We're supposed to be celebrating Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And, of course, there's a, there's a lot of scriptures we didn't get a chance to get to. The most famous one in Isaiah 9, you know, 9, 6, and 7, for a child will be born, a son will be given, his name, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government of peace. So from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. We have such an amazing Savior, an amazing God, mighty God. And you write, and I just want to get you to elaborate on this, um, there's a big coliseum, thousands of cars packed outside, massive lights on, helium balloons, big buffet, happy birthday banners everywhere, and then tucked away in a dark corner, the birthday boy slouched over in his seat, his chin on his hands, whispering, nobody's talking to me. I don't even think they know I'm here. I thought this was supposed to be my birthday. So you say, Jay, 
this is generally what Christmas has become. We're celebrating Jesus, and yet it's become something else in modern times. Share your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And it, it does not surprise me whatsoever with the secular world. That's, that's their mindset. This is a spiritual issue. They, it, what they're doing makes sense given their mindset, given their starting point. Now, if you corrected their starting point, they would connect the dots and probably want to do things differently. But I think that what's more sad is even within the Christian church, even within really good, solid Christian churches, even within my own home too often, mm. We go through Christmas, and it's so exciting because maybe there's going to be snow outside, and you get the Christmas music and decorating the house and smelling, you know, all these great smells, and it's just really cool. And you can easily go through that and say, well, yeah, of course it's Jesus' birthday, and then it finally ends, but you drag it out, you leave your tree up for a while, and eventually it's kind of depressing because it's gray outside and cold, and and we we typically miss the whole point of what Christmas is about, and I'm talking to myself at the same time because mm-hmm. it's so easy to to miss the point, and not only should we be thinking about ourselves, but we really should be praying, saying, God, please give me an opportunity to talk to someone else about the real reason of Christmas, not just so they understand history better, but so they understand the future, where we're headed, and what will happen to them when they die. Mm. I think it's easier for the world to celebrate a baby, an innocuous, you know, harmless, adorable baby, than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's coming again. And, you know, as my husband always says, my Savior ain't a baby no more. Mm. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> That's, so right. That's good. That's good. Um, Jay, thank you. I think this uh, was very beneficial. We covered a lot of ground from, from prophecy to genealogies to the Messiah to his return and the timing, the fullness of the time. Friends, if you are here, we can all say together that it, it, for such a time as this, God has you here for a purpose, mm-hmm. for a reason, and that every human being, every every human life is created in his image, has purpose and value. Every human life, from the baby to the one child with Down syndrome to the elderly person. Um, so make sure we are spreading the message of life, but also the hope of the gospel, because there are so many hurting people all around us. And I'm talking to myself here to give myself a pep talk then I need to keep my eyes open, my spiritual eyes open when I'm walking through my neighborhood or whatever. What, at the grocery store, there's always someone who needs a touch, God's touch, and we are the messengers here to do it. Jay, wrap it up for us. Well, yes, I, I appreciate the listenership. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the program, and I, we really want this to be an encouragement to everyone, not a not a downer, but let's get excited about what Christ has done for us. We Amen. can focus on him. We have every excuse in the world to do so. <laughs> and I guarantee you, if you pray and say, God, bring someone across my path that you want me to share with, God will prompt your spirit yep. who he wants you to talk to, and then he will do all the heavy lifting. We just need to be available to do what uh, he has given us to do. It's the only reason we're still here on the planet is so that we can share the gospel message with others. Amen. Well, Mayor, great co- great uh, podcast with Jay. Blessings, brother. Please go to thestartingpointproject.com, learn more about Jay's ministry, and look up his uh, recent December. Why December 25th? Um, So tomorrow, Linda Harvey, Mission America. She's back on the podcast, and she's got a chapter in the new book coming out called A Christian Perspective on the Social Justice Movement. Uh, Get a sneak peek over at missionamerica.com, or you can go to Lighthouse Trails and order the book. It's just released, and Mary Danielson also has a chapter she contributed. We'll talk about that tomorrow. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.